My name is Jordan D. White, and this is an incredibly jam-packed episode, so that's why we are going to talk as quickly as humanly possible today. This is Jordan D. White, as you said, as I said, actually, and I'm the normal host of the show, and with me is Mr. Rory Sinjin. Hello, my name is Rory Sinjin, and I am the host of the Where Are They Now in History and such segments, and I am very happy to be on the show. And of course, my cat Scape is over here. Hello, Dad. How are you today? I'm Scapey, who does Scapey says, and I mean Scapey stories, whatever. It's Scapey, 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 Scapey. Okay, okay, don't waste words repeating yourself. Like I said, we have a super jam-packed show. We have such, such, such a large amount of stuff, and I don't want it to go over time, so we're going to have to just get right to it. But before we get to this, the things, there is one important thing that we do want to do, which is talk about an entirely new segment of the show. I, I said originally that when our previous host, Frank Allen, left the show, previous co-host, I should say, I said, I don't want to turn this into what is Frank Allen doing every week. Well, um, unfortunately, uh, things have conspired to make it so that I have to make it into that. So I'm starting a new section of the show that I like to call Apple Watch. Escape, we'll do the theme song. It's Apple Watch, Apple Watch, we're watching Frank Allen. Thank you very much. Roy, do you want to take over? Absolutely, absolutely. As you all know, uh, Mr. Frank Allen did come into a large amount of money, billions, in fact, of dollars, and he did purchase with it, among other things, the Brooklyn Institute of Extra Historical Studies. He had them send me a thing saying that I was eligible for a grant because I was a British person, a uh, former convict, but of course I'm not British anymore, so I was no longer eligible, so it was just sort of a rubbish in thing. Well, now to make matters worse, now that he's purchased the Brooklyn Institute for Extra Historical Studies, he has used his influence over it to shut it down. So, in fact, there is no longer going going to be, as of, I believe, a week from tomorrow, there is not going to be a Brooklyn Institute for Extra Historical Studies. So, Mr. Frank Allen, you are an we all think you suck and we don't like you very much. Yeah, well, it's definitely, he, he used to be a member of our show, as you as you may or may not recall, and then when he got money, he told us all off and left. And him and Rory had always had animosity. Yes, but nothing that justifies this. This is a terrible thing to do. It's a, it's a, it's a, de- de- it's a detriment to the entire world of extra history, and I don't appreciate it, and no one who is in their right minds would appreciate it. So, frankly, Frank Allen, you suck. I think you are a terrible, terrible person. Well, do you actually think he's listening to this? Well, I don't know. But if, you're, if, you, if you know Frank Allen and you listen to this and you talk to him once in a while, tell him that he sucks possibly even kick him in the bollocks if you could. Well, yeah, we don't want to advocate violence. Well, Dad, violence is the way you get things done. Escape. No, don't. It's not a, that's a terrible thing to say. All right. Well, we have a, like I said, super, super de-duper jam-packed show. Um, the thing we have coming up first is, of course, guard duty. And as you may recall, they were talking about possibly going on strike. Well, this is where we find out whether they do or not, because they're going to be negotiating with their government liaison in this episode. So hopefully you will enjoy it. Let's get right to it. The Earth Guard, the planet's most powerful heroes united in the common goal of protecting the innocent people of planet Earth and defending them from threats of all kinds. From the Guard Tower, their base of operations, they watch over the citizens and spring into action at any sign of danger. 
that end, the guard takes shifts monitoring events all over the globe. Sooner or later, they all have to take a shift of guard duty. This week, the stallion and broadband in Checks and Balances. We have to tell him we're not going to accept... I know what I'm doing, Bob! I'm just saying, make sure you... Bob! Chuck, you've got to admit, in the past you've given him Bob! Thank you. I have it under control, Bob. I'm having you with me on the negotiations to show solidarity, to show a united front, but it's still my meeting. I'm going to do the talking. Understood? Understood. But keep in mind... If I need backup, I'll ask for it. If Grant asks you anything, just answer the question succinctly. I'm the one doing the negotiations here. Fine. I am an adult, you know, Chuck. I know how to behave. I've done my share of government negotiations. Your contracts, sure. I know that. But this is a different situation. Stallion, Warren Grant is teleporting to the guard tower. All right, he's here. Get ready. Oh, I'm ready. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Mr. Grant, welcome to the guard tower. I must say, it's something of a thrill to finally see it in person after having read so many reports. You're welcome to come back any time if you'd like, of course. I might have to take you up on that. Thank you. Now, shall we get to business? Absolutely. Have a seat. Thank you. So, what can I do for you? As I told you on the phone, we need to discuss the Earth Guard's current arrangement with the government, specifically the cuts you've implemented. Unfortunate, but unavoidable. I'm sure you're aware of the current budgetary situation. There have been rollbacks across the board. Something had to give. That is unacceptable! Bob, Mr. Grant, I understand that, and I appreciate your situation. Regardless, the Earth Guard is an indispensable organization. The service we provide for the general good- Is appreciated. And I'm sure you will recognize the substantial funds we have put into the running and maintenance of the Guard, not to mention collateral expenditures which invariably come out to more than budgeted, regardless of how we adjust the figures from year to year. Can you explain how that is? We spend $100 million one year, so we estimate for $100 million, and we spend 150 It's the villains doing the damage. We minimize it by stopping them. And disease kills many patients. But if a doctor could have stopped it, the courts could have found... That's not even a remotely fair comparison. You're right. Doctors bring in money with their work. Since the guard doesn't charge for superheroing, the burden falls to the public. If you check the figures, I'm sure you'll agree the substantial amount the government provides for the upkeep of the guard is... Is nowhere near sufficient. It doesn't even match what I put in myself, and I'm just an individual. Hell, I had to fund the building of the tower entirely on my own. Your type would have had us meet in a damned cave. Bob, relax. The issue we have isn't with the dollar figure, or the hardware, or cleanup. It's with the well-being of the individuals who serve. Yes, you've done a good job of taking care of the citizens whose homes and businesses are damaged, and we're quite happy with the upkeep of the brain frame and tower. Which I did my... But the members of the Guard need more. As you may have heard, Binary Girl was injured recently, and while her treatment was covered, no allowance was made for either work she would miss in her personal life, or even for guard duties she would miss. In order to make the money she needs to live, she had to continue performing both duties while injured. There are two of her. Only one was injured, right? So... It shouldn't be a problem. Luckily, yes. It is easier for her because of her powers, but it has caused other problems. She can't join her two selves back up because the broken arm would spread to both bodies. When she splits, she grows tired at twice the rate. It's quite trying, especially while maintaining double employment. 
Look, sympathize. I do. But we're already doing what we can. You said we've covered her treatment. Her personal life is her own. We didn't hire her for this job. It's something she chooses to do, knowing all the risks that come along with it. No one is forcing her. We appreciate it, and we take care of any injuries in the course of her duties. But we didn't hire her. She wasn't elected. We don't know her at all. Just what do you need to know? She puts herself at risk doing something that benefits the whole of society. Hell, the whole of mankind. Isn't that enough? But who is she? For all we know, she could be a criminal in her civilian identity. Maybe if we knew who you people were, we could- Are you suggesting the guard reveal all our identities? Of course not. We don't have the authority to tell you what to do. But that's your implication. And we're reading you loud and clear. Rather than appreciate that the guard does a vital job for the American people and help them when they're in need, you prefer to blackmail us into falling into line. God bless America. If you're right, if the Guard really does fulfill an invaluable public need, then you shouldn't have to fall back on the government for support. If the public knew that Binary Girl needed help, wouldn't they offer a hand? But since they don't actually know who Binary Girl is either... Oh please, Grant, don't insult us. The government of the United States of America acts on behalf of the public interest. If the people support the Earth Guard, government funding is a good idea, and much better than the alternative... Not to mention that if villains knew the gods' real identities, they'd never be safe. Their families, their friends, hell, every street they ever walked down would be in constant danger. Not everyone can afford the type of security I can. Alright then. Let's stop beating around the bush here. What are you asking? We want a return of all provisions negotiated by Davis Moore. Specifically, additional pay to compensate for civilian income lost because of injuries, a lessening of requirements for the receipt of the normal guard stipend, and the return of universal health care. Universal? Now, do you want us to cover everything? If a member of the guard is injured in their civilian life or suffers from some other mental trouble or ocular deficiency, it affects their performance on the guard. It needs to be taken care of. You see, this is exactly what I meant. If there is a member of the Earth Guard, the world's most powerful superheroes, who is having mental trouble, I think there is a problem beyond healthcare. This is precisely why we should know who you people are and have some sort of oversight on your operations and roster. But you don't. The Guard runs itself, and if the government wants us to continue... We need the coverage. I've met with the group, and I'm afraid I must insist that you restore them more provisions. That's not going to happen. You're lucky to have kept what you've got. We can present a new proposal next quarter, and maybe the committee can reconsider. I'm sorry. That's not good enough. Well, you really don't have any other alternative. Like hell we don't, we're going to strike. What? He's right. If you can't meet our requirements, then the Earth Guard will have to stop operating. You can't do that. Of course we can. There are provisions to strike clearly outlined in our charter. A charter the U.S. government has never officially recognized as binding. This will not be stood for. And you accuse me of blackmail. Believe me, we don't want to strike. We want to do our jobs. But we want fair compensation for that job. If you can just get us the medical- Forget it. This is an outrage. The American government will not be bullied. This strike will be declared illegal before you finish your first picket sign. Oh, I see. Suddenly, once we're not going to do our job, now you realize how indispensable we are? Striking is not the way to get things done. We can negotiate more, and we can make a new proposal at the next budget meeting, but if you strike- Whether we strike or not is entirely in your hands at this point, Mr. Grant. We've told you our terms. You have yet to make even a counter-proposal. 
Well, then how's this for a counterproposal? If you strike, you're not going to get a single dime more. In addition, we will make it perfectly clear to the public that it is you who is deciding not to help them anymore. That the Earth Guard is so selfish that they were willing to allow innocent people to be attacked and killed by supervillains just so they could squeeze more money out of the American taxpayer. I will personally see to it that every single one of these citizens sees you for the glory-hogging, self-centered, superior egomaniacs you are. You're messing with real power now, boys. We're not going to be trifled with. Now it's up to you. Are you going to continue with this farce, or are you going to do what's actually best for your people and toe the goddamn line? I'm sorry you feel that way, Mr. Grant. Earthguard? Mr. Grant has chosen to ignore all our demands, and in fact, threatens us in return. I'm afraid the strike is on. We're off the job until further notice. Stallion out. Happy? I think that's his way of saying you can shove your counterproposal right up your- And another thing, Mr. Grant. It was the Earth Guard's intention to keep the strike quiet. We're not trying to embarrass anyone. If the Guard's villains were aware of the strike, there would be chaos. If you choose to make it public, it's on you. Oh, you bet we will. Every person in the damn country is going to know about this. Know that you abandoned them for money. Good day, Mr. Grant. You can show yourself out. God damn it! Guard Duty by Jordan D. White, with Michael D. Mikowski as the narrator, Rich Bellin as the stallion, Derek McNish as Broadband, Jacob Thompson as Warren Grant, with theme song by Michael D. Mikowski. Welcome back from Guard Duty. Welcome, welcome back. Uh, up next, we are going to go right into this day in history, and then maybe we'll talk about it afterwards. All right, Rory? Uh, sure, if that's what we've got to do. Yes, sure. Hello and welcome to This Day in History. My name is Rory Sinjin. This is WHRW Binghamton. On January 5th, 1643, in the first record of a legal divorce in the American colonies, Anne Clark of the Massachusetts Bay Colonies granted a divorce from her absent and adulterous husband, Dennis Clark, by the Quarter Court of Boston, Massachusetts. Ye faith, Goody Clark, your claim being that your husband doth play his music, that being the recorder, too loudly when thou doth wishest to sleep? Yes, tis true. I can barely get a night full of sleep. I, I, I am seeing strange visions of demons during the day, and I can only think it is, it is because of this devilish music he plays all night. Well, then the solution is twofold. Mr. Clark. Yes? You are clearly a witch for playing the recorder so loud. I sentence you to be nay, burned at the stake. Nay, let me speak on me behalf. Yes, do that. My wife, while she says I stay up all night playing the recorder, <coughs> is wrong. She has no appreciation for music like me. I stay up all night playing the harpsichord. 
Yeah, I appreciate no such music at three in the morning when all gentle folk should be sleeping. Except for me, I like playing the recorder. I think we're overlooking a larger issue here. Namely, that music is- Harpsichord appreciation? Hey, which of us is the magistrate here? I am. Yes, but which of us is the preacher? That's me, thank you. Now, I think you're all forgetting that music, like all kinds of fun, is an abomination unto God and illegal in the Massachusetts colony. Yeah, Done. you got us on yeah, that. Yeah. Wow. My bad. Have fun being set on fire. Also, divorce granted. Uh, most people don't realize that uh, divorce does come from the French, which means to burn someone at the stake. Uh, however, this does also teach us an important lesson that we shouldn't play inconsiderately loud music in the middle of the night. This is This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. But the beat went on. My name's Roy Sinjin, and this is Where Are They Now in History on Gas and Wax. And yes, while both Mr. and Goody Clark were both burned to death, along with that recorder guy, the preacher who burned them did live on. In those days, there were very strange arcane laws in which all of the Clark's money went to the preacher, which at the time was quite a large sum of money. It was something in the nature of $500, which of course back then was quite a bit. But the preacher decided that that wasn't enough punishment for them. So in fact, he used that $500 to buy the company that made harpsichords and recorders and shut them all down, thus depriving the world of music of all kinds. He shut down the drum company. He shut down the piano company. He shut down all companies, and eventually the world rose up and beat him to death with a stick. Actually, a couple sticks, but the point is, he died. He died horrible, miserable, and alone. He died a wretched man. No one liked him. No one will ever like him. History will remember him as a giant douchebag, and no one will ever mourn him, because everyone knows he got exactly what he deserved. So remember, don't play music too loud in the middle of the night, um, because, you know, you'll get burned alive, and also, you know, don't be a douchebag. My name's Roy Sinjin, and this is Where Are They Now in History on Cast and Wax. And of course, that was the story of the first divorce. Um, was, was that all 100% accurately true, Rory? Well, again, from from a certain point of view, yes, of course, it was in other realities. Uh, you know, this, if this is going to be very detrimental, I'm going to be the last bastion of extra history in this world because, you know, having shut down the, the Institute, I don't know where people are going to get the extra history from now on. Fortunately, of course, they can get it from me. They can write to me at castlewax at gmail.com and uh, perhaps I will do an extra historical reading for them and tell them about what their life is like in other realities, things like that, to, so that their lives are better. If you, if you have any problems with that, if you if you want to know, please write into me. Write into me. I, I I only charge a modest fee, and perhaps once in a while I might throw one free historical reading up on the on the on the podcast. You never know. It's, it's a means of advertising. Now that people don't know about the institute anymore, you know, it's going to be detrimental to my business. So I have to get the word out there somehow. And so you choose to use my podcast as advertising. Well, I guess it is as the most uh, prominent thing you do now. Now that the institute's gone. So, all right. Well, um, amazing and exciting. Uh, up next, we have. Oh, great! It's the Frank Alex section of the show. It's called Debatatorium. And uh, this is the first episode of the second season of Debatatorium. So we have all new debateators, uh, all new topics. It's very exciting. It's very exciting. It's a tournament, if you recall. So this is the second tournament starting completely fresh. Let's hop right into it. Hello, everyone, and welcome, yes, welcome to Debatatorium 2007, the um, long-awaited sequel to the show uh, Debatatorium 2006. Uh, we enjoyed that show so much, we came back to do another one for the new year, uh, which is what this is. So, here on Debatatorium 2006, we debate hot-button issues. It's very uh, 
hot buttony and uh, very good. Uh, we have two debaters here, uh, both of whom have very strong feelings about the topic, and we'd like to introduce them. Uh, debater number one. My name's uh, Baron Samuel. I'd like to thank you for allowing me on the show, uh, Mr. Allen. Mr. Samuel, it's nice to meet you. Uh, President Samuel. Oh, sorry, President Samuel. And uh, please, uh, tell us a tiny bit about yourself. Well, I, I am the president, as I mentioned. My name is President Samuel of the AODO, the Anti-Offense Defense League. We will decide what we need to defend against, what offense it is, and implement the correct defense. My background is extensive, my abilities are intensive, and my knowledge is unlimited. A- so I would... yes. The A-O-D-L? Yes. How do you pronounce that? Auru. Okay. How would you think, you moron? I sorry. Auru. God. They teach you nothing in school. I don't. Well, they didn't teach me about you. That's for sure. All right. Well, well that's hold on. their fault. That's you know one of the things we're defending against is our nation's schools. All right. Hold on. Now we got to get to the other debater, and then we got to get to the topic. All before right. We start move ahead. Yelling. All right. Debater number two, please tell us who you are. Speaking of people you may have met in school, I am renowned inventor, wizard, and time traveler Thomas Alva Edison. Welcome, Mr. Edison. Uh, I believe you've invented a lot of stuff. Yes. That was. I appreciate that because I use stuff. Anytime. Some of which we approve. You don't approve of... Well, okay, let's not get to that yet. What we are debating here tonight is uh, the issue of immigration and what should be done about it. Now, um, Mr. Uh, AODL here. Uh, Mr. My name is Mr. Samuel. I represent President. the AODL, unless you remember incorrectly. I don't know if you're recording this, but I said it about three minutes ago. So unless your memory is as faulty as some of Mr. Edison's inventions, I don't think you should have too much trouble for the rest of the program. This president, he is in favor of... Of illegal immigration. And, Absolutely. Uh, Mr. Edison is against it. Categorically against it. Now, uh, as the attacker, I like to let... Uh the attacker go first. Well, let me put on my attacking helmet for a moment. Excellent. Now, as you may or may not know, by this year, 2007, I, Thomas Alva Edison, inventor, wizard, and time traveler, am dead. So, I was forced to come up here from the past in order to participate in this program. Now, let me tell you, it was a very difficult process. There were numerous forms I needed to fill out. First, I need to invent a time machine, which itself requires three forms. Then, I had to reapply for citizenship in the future, as you call it, which was a long bureaucratic process. And now, of course, I had to be able to work as a commentator and debateatron. So, are, oh, I'm again, s- I'm sorry. Are you arguing that because you had a hard time, everybody should have a hard time? Precisely. Now, I invented equality. Really? Yes, and I believe in enforcing it whenever possible. And we see how well that works in the modern world, don't we? Delightfully. Please, Mr. Uh, President Samuels, go ahead. Thank you. Let me tell you something about illegal immigration. Right. In order to have illegal immigration, you have to have a concept of illegal in order in order to have a concept of illegal, you have to have laws. Now, what are laws done for us except restrict our rights as free-born, constitution-born, Bill of Rights-born Americans? Now, let me tell you something. Bill of Rights, right in there, it says the right to do something or other and the right to do something else. And if you make a law that tells you I have no right to do that, I have no right to immigrate somewhere or another, then I'll tell you about that law. It's not an American right. It's not a Bill of Rights. It's not not a nothing. It's an offense to our defense of our rights as the United States of America citizen. No, I, I think oh. I think you're right in that when you make a law, it's not your right. It's a law. That's right. Now, this is because it's a law. You see, this country's got a law. That country's got a law. You look all over the world. It seems to be the fad with the countries to have a legal system so you to don't... have a Senate. Doesn't mean you gotta do it. Look over in Nairobi 
free Kenya, maybe they've got a law says, well, to be a Kenyan citizen, you have to stand on your head. Are we going to do it here in the United States of America? Okay, okay. Because some idiot Kenyan wants to stand on his hold head? On, hold on. Now, you're saying you don't want there to be laws at all. Laws? Look, a law is instituted by a group of people who want to restrict my rights to defend against them. That is their goal in life. Well, what they if, see me defending and they offend against defense. But what if what if Mr. Edison here invented a death machine and used it on you? Wouldn't you want a law to protect you yes, from that? How could I want a death machine eradicated by law if I was already dead? Now look at him. Look at him. I gotta Hi. defend against something that's gonna come in the future. A death machine if I'm dead, I'm not gonna legislate nothing. I'll tell you that. What is Strom Thurmond doing now? Is he legislating? No. Somebody killed him. And you wanna know why? So, somebody killed him? Yeah. Death. Who? I don't know, but he ain't alive anymore. If he was alive to defend himself against outside attack, then nothing would be happening now to okay. prevent him from okay. from, 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 from defending the laws of this country from laws. President um, Samuel, let yeah. me uh, let me pause you right there. We do have a, a caller who does uh, is an expert and wants to talk about this. Experts nothing. Yes, it is I, the consummate expert. God of science and inventor of the death ray, Nikola Tesla, oh, speaking to you through great. the speechatron in undiluted American. First, I would like to say, Edison, you idiotic, shameless fraud. How dare you steal my inventions and come to the future with them? What was that? I was too busy stealing your inventions and coming to the future with them. Tesla. Yes, you have it there. Attorneys attack. I invented theft and attorneys. Well, yes, because no one wanted those things. Okay. Now I'm forced to use your mediocre inventions you horrible horrible no. horrible man no, hold, hold on like hold on trying hold to on take credit for inventing black plague or something it's not exactly something you want attached to your name now hold on mr what is it Te tesla doctor dr tesla professor look i don't science god tesla i don't know who you are or what you do not know you. who i the inventor of alternating current i don't know why you is? think that you should be allowed to come in here and insult a great man like thomas edison but it's true what do you have to say about the issue of of illegal immigration I Howard Niagara with my mind. Well, what does that have to do with immigration? What about illegal immigration? Well, what I have to say about illegal immigration is this. Nothing? Yes. Oh. Nothing. I came here to insult a fraud, and I've done that. Now to my science castle. Away! Okay. Well, uh, so, science okay, we've castles. had an- I haven't left yet, okay, you jerk. You're still here. All right. Is, does anybody know if he's- I could invent a field that would stop illegal immigration. It would suck. All right. It would run off of alternating current. And suck. Okay. Be okay. Perfect. All right. Gentlemen, gentlemen. Everybody knows a field cannot run. It would pass harmlessly through my body. Okay. Um. Now, I don't know who this guy was. I'm sorry for the- interruption there, Nikola folks. Tesla. Uh, if you say so. But um, we do want to get back to the main topic of it's true. illegal immigration. Please, uh, Mr. Edison. Well, I certainly don't need my rebuttaloscope to understand that President Samuel's argument is filled with holes. Enormous. How can a hole fill anything? You're supposed to be a scientist, Egypt. Is that even a word, Egypt? Scientist I, is a word. You look it up. No, scientist is a word. Egypt. I was curious about. Can you spell that for me? Can I spell it? Now, another thing I'm against is spelling. You want to get me started on that? I could go for 
for hours. I don't. Who- All right. Thank you. Now, I suppose, then, if you're going to object to, say, illegal immigration because all laws are stupid, then, well, I suppose that you have an argument. It's simply not effectual in any way. After all, as the man who invented attorneys, I can tell you, laws employ thousands of people every day. No, that's true. That's a good point. If now, Without law, we'd have a lot of people out of work. It also keeps people off the street, including illegal immigrants. Do you like how I came full circle on that one? Listen to Eat me. it. Listen to me. Egypt. Okay, so E-E-J-I-T. Very effective. Thank you. Right. Thank you, now, Spilatron. If you are going to criticize and evaluate my law and based I will. on whether it's infectual as opposed to whether or not it is true, then we have no debate. The fact is, they have no rights to make laws about us, and if I no. want to work... I've got the right to get a job, whether somebody wants to hire me or not. Now, hold on. I believe that the Constitution does grant the uh, Congress the right to make laws. I mean, I, I think it's I think it's right in there. The Congress is allowed to make laws. It's right there. You only know that if you read it. Yeah. I don't think that we ought to base all our rights off the Constitution. We're Bill of Rights-born Americans, no, and but- I don't believe that just because somebody 200 years ago says you do not have the right to do that or you do have the right to do this, that that's the right to bridge myself of, of any sort of libertational kind of things in my country. Oh. Darn it. Of all the days for my cone of silence to break. We do have another expert, Helpers. I believe. Hello, Edison. Who is oh, this? You again? This is the real Nikola Tesla. Damn it. Dr. Nikola Tesla, of course. Damn it, you defeated my Teslatron. How could it be possible? Oh, it's- Hold on. What, are you saying the other Tesla was fake? Of course. Why? Well, because he was an effectual debater. Because he made good points. Because he didn't suck as much as you do, Tesla. He didn't, he didn't make a single point at all. Well, well, then I think that you'll certainly be downhill from there, won't you? Oh, okay, okay, okay. What? Shit. So, who is this? Te- oh, right. you're another. Can we Tesla. get back to debating and stop making points? He yes. hijacked my career. Okay, what is your what is your your idea about? I too was a very brilliant time traveler and inventor until he pulled the electric chair screw job on me. Man, that was great. I don't know what that means. Oh, I've been waiting oh. for this day, Edison. Well. How about this? We'll have some sort of wizard's duel after the debate. In the meantime, what are your positions on illegal immigration? We've never actually talked about that at all. Huh, funny you should ask. I'm quite against the uh, whole idea of ever, ever writing any laws on the subject. Because... Not only did I have to There you go Not only did I have to go through the process once To get into this godforsaken country But I had to go through it a second time When I came into the future Hold on, you're an illegal immigrant? Of course Wow, now that's not right Yeah, see? This is what I'm talking about When you have illegal immigration What do you get? Robot duplicates coming onto the air Screwing up I the show, Frank Allen I am not a robot duplicate How can I tell? There was another one who apparently He's is a, a robot, robot duplicate There's only one solution We need to destroy them both Well no, t- Why don't we destroy Edison for once. Why don't we do something bad to Edison? Because Edison gets all the love, all all the uh, admiration. As there's as, only one of me. Yeah, as far as I know, there's only one of them, and he actually was booked. Two Teslas could do quite a bit for the world. Well, maybe the first one wouldn't do too much, but I would do enough for two Teslas. Well, you, you could just take all the work and alternate between the two of you. Yes, just like my current. Alternating? Exactly. Okay. Huh. So you're with President Samuel, Mr. Um... Tesla. Tesla. Yes, of course. Isn't that like a rock group? I wouldn't know. Tesla. Hmm. Yeah, they're crappy, just like the old one. Like how I got into jabs there, Tesla? Well, I'm sure if there were a rock group called Edison, it it would would be amazing. Yes, it would suck. Suck. Suck it. All right. Well, no, but back to President Samuel. 
Suck. What do you think? What do I think? First of all, I came here to debate, not to think. If I were going to sit around and think, I'd go to library or something like that where people think. I want my patented thinkatoria. To prove to you one thing, which is I'm right about the fact that if you make a law telling me I'm not allowed to immigrate somewhere, somewhere else, that is uh, constitutionally, bill of rightsly against my freedom of to be restrictful of unrestricted laws. You now, want to restrict law. Absolutely right. So you want everything to be okay. Everything except what we're opposed to, what we're defending against. So you want to make laws against those things? Absolutely. Like making laws. We defend it. That's right. You want to make laws against making laws. Right. If we if we get people out there making laws, we need to illegal that. So then it makes the law that you make illegal. Absolutely. Yes, right. And then if you can do whatever you want. Law, we've got to be making laws illegal. So then anybody can do whatever they want, including making laws. Absolutely. It's right. If you look at um, regulations, that sort of thing in the Congress. Congress say we pay ourselves more money. That's to that's to, to to feed back into itself. So you make you make laws illegal. It's feeding back into itself. You can't make any more laws because there's law against it. So if you believe in law, you can't have them. But if you don't, right. we make a law against something else. If you get what I'm saying? I think I do. Let me try to summarize, and then we've got a caller, an expert. Um, you're saying you're against laws, so laws should become illegal. Therefore, the laws you make will be illegal. Therefore, laws will then be legal. Therefore, everything goes back to right the way it is now. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, if we make laws illegal, just like you're talking about, they're not going to make any illegal immigrants coming into our country because I've got the right to work no matter whether I, I'm an illegal or I'm legal, whether there's laws or not. I I need money. All right. Now, here we do have an expert on this. Uh, yes. Hello. I am Dr. West Glenn. I am doctor of Russian dial studies at Berkeley University. Oh, hello. Uh, what did you want to say about this? Uh, well, for one thing I just wanted to say, for one thing, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Mr. Edison without the, the kind of sorcery and science that you use, Russian dolls cannot physically fit inside other Russian I dolls. I want to talk to it's this true. call screener. I do no. love Russian dolls. Why do you want to talk to the call screener? Because it's all these science people calling into the show. Because we want scientists on our show. It's a smart show. I'm a smart man and I'm not a scientist. Well, let's hear what really? he has to say. That proves to you right there. You, you talk about scientific method. Whoa, whoa, I'm whoa. I'm smart. I'm not a scientist. Scientists are not smart. But you just did science. No comment. You're pouring out enormous amounts of countersense. Anyway, doctor, please. Please. Continue. Russian dolls. Um, yes. And I just wanted to say that um, for, for years, I have studied the, the sorcery and the science behind fitting a Russian doll inside a, a slightly larger Russian doll. Um, and actually, that technology was stolen from my lab to hide Mexicans inside other slightly larger Mexicans. Yeah, you I was going to say. cannot fit something smaller than itself inside itself. Well, no, you can't. I mean, that's what Russian dolls do. And if you had yeah, Mexican people hiding one inside of the next, you could get them all in on only one visa. Why exactly. not just let them in through the door? Hold on. Stop now, hold on. Are you in favor of this, Mr. Doctor? Well, I'm I'm more upset that, that Russian dolls are being used for the, this kind of illegal activity. Well, and, if they're, I mean, they're Russian, so how do we even know they got into the country legally? They were running very fast, of course. If they're Russian. Well, then well, they should slow down. The Russians were very tricky about it. They had one legal Russian that made it into the country, and inside was, was at least 100,000 other Russians. Gee whiz. Each one slightly smaller than the last. Yes. Insidious! And now, many Russians that you can't even see, they're so small. Now, hold on. Now, are you in favor of this or not? What do you think? Is it good or not? Well, I think it's a it's a bad thing because there's no way that we can stop, you know, what if you have a Mexican inside a Mexican and say that, you know, some sort of terrorist organization learns how to put a bomb inside a Mexican, inside a Mexican, inside a Mexican. Wow. So now you, so then you agree absolutely with Mr. Edison and you think President Samuels is wrong. Samuel is wrong. Oh, certainly. This is again, I want to talk to the screener. You keep letting people 
people on the air yeah, what about, that don't think I'm right. Well, I mean, Outle is not the end-all, be-all of everything. The end-all, be-all of everything is if we start opposing to our citizens. Well, we can't, we, this whole, the whole point of the show is to oppose each other. <laughs> not if I, look, I can't oppose myself. No, he's opposing you. I can't oppose you. you. You're I mean, a moderation. If you were to agree with him, the show would be over. Right, right. I'm agreeing with you now. Is the show over? No, I'm not the one to, okay, look. Back to the, the illegal immigration. What is so good about having people in the country illegally? Look, I'll tell you what's so good. What is this country founded on? People who founded it. People who are all Americans in this country. People. The more people we have, the more Americans we have, the more America there is up with America. All right. I think we have to head into the final arguments. That's true. Um, Mr. Edison. Yes. Uh, doctor. Dr. Edison? Mr. Mr. Doctor. Mr. I was too busy inventing amazing things and casting ridiculous spells to get a degree, per se. Okay. L- let me let me ask you this question to lead into your, your final arguments. Okay. What, what, now I, what kind of effect would allowing these illegal, illegal immigrants into our country have on our economy in the future? Well, frankly, Frank Allen. Yes. And it's an awful joke, by the way. Oh, it was amazing. I invented it. Yes. I'm not going to waste your time with stories of a harrowing, terrible future where illegal immigration has become all the rage. Instead, I'm going to go with something that you, as a citizen fixed in a single direction and speed through the time stream, can understand. Okay. Let's consider the first great wave of illegal immigrants. Okay. Or, as they're sometimes called, pilgrims. Okay. These people come to our country spreading disease and violence and a radical, incredibly repressive theocracy. Huh. Dozens die, hundreds of others die, and they only bring more of them. Wow. Ultimately, the result is Massachusetts. Huh. Darkest and most terrible of all consequences in American history. So, you're saying... Well, no, had these people been held to a higher standard, had they been screened initially for diseases, hmm. had they been acclimated to our society, then instead of the ethnic violence and horrific casualties that followed their arrival here in America, we would be looking at today a golden age of prosperity. Whereas this age, as I think you'll agree, is at best bronze. Well, then wouldn't, but then wouldn't we be in Europe still? Oh, no, don't be ridiculous. We would still be here. We would just have all of us legally emigrated. Oh, Oh, I see. So we should have we should have all observed the Native Americans' proper rules to oh, join the Oh, they're strict immigration policies. Okay. Just okay. because they're Native Americans doesn't mean they have any more right to make rules about me than un-Native Americans. Please, now your closing arguments, Mr. President. Samuel. Thank you. Now, all I'm asking you to do in my closing arguments is side with reasonality. All I'm telling you is this. We're being attacked by people that think they've got a right to tell us what to do because they call themselves legislators. Well, we are the people of this country and this world. And if we don't say we're gonna defend ourselves against laws and defend the American way, which is liberty, then we'll be overrun with people that they say are breaking laws they've got no right to say exist. Reasonality? Absolutely. What what would you say if someone said that here in America, while there are laws, you are free to break those laws and free to go to jail? If you're free to go to jail, sit up a jail, put up a sign that says, free to go here, it's the jail, or something phrased 
like that. I don't know. Well, there is. That's in the laws. You, I mean, you could just be like, I want to go to jail. Let me break a law. That's an un, un, what do you call it? It's not a systematic or, um, it's not the kind of thing that's convenient. If I want to just go to jail, I shouldn't have to fill in forms and break laws. You don't have to I fill should in be able form. to walk in the door and go in there. Well, I think that doing that is illegal and therefore it would break the law. This shouldn't be there in the first place. They should be jails if you want to go there and no laws that's going to stop you. All right. Well, let me, let me, uh, let me ruminate for just a fraction of a second. And I do want to say that, um, while the idea of a walk in jail is interesting, uh, Mr. Edison invented uh, a lot of things. Therefore, I think he's probably right. Including my inevitable victory. He's not right. He is, actually. He's right. Um, you may want to change. If it makes you feel better, I'll invent some kind of a hat that will make you make sense. You can, you're going to want to change your, your AO. <laughs> Hats do not make sense. It covers up your head where your brain is. Perhaps some shoes? Perhaps uh, perhaps you might be back, President Samuel, but for now, uh, Thomas Edison did win this debate, and that means he will be back in the next round of uh, debating to Sweet. compete to become, in addition to a wizard and an inventor, and, uh, a time and a time traveler, debateator of the year. Coincidentally, our last debateator was a time traveler as well, but that's a coincidence, so we'll not, we'll, we'll not know for sure whether that helps him or there not. There is no such thing as coincidence. But there is such thing as time travel. Uh, we will see you next time on Debatatorium 2007. Thanks for listening. I'm Frank Allen. Good night. That episode of Debatatorium featured the voice talents of Frank Allen, Charles Berman, Patrick Ganan, Nicholas Roach, Daniel Schwartz, Elijah Weberhan, and Jordan D. White. Excellent, excellent. And I hope you all enjoyed that. And I do hope you enjoyed the person of President Byron Samuels because he is the guest on Scapey Stories this week. Right, Scapey? Yes, yes, he was. And it was very pleasant to have him because he is a president. And so it's very famous. Yes, but I mean, he's not the president of the United States. He's the president of the uh, uh, anti... Oh, gosh, what was it? Offense, defense league. The... Uh, I, I don't even remember now. But just listen to it, Dad. I know, but I don't remember. I'm sorry. Okay, forget it. Look, uh, here's a scapey story. Is this going to be a scary? I understand this is a story that takes place in France. Is that correct? Yes, yes. It's very scary. Uh, it has stuff in it that's very frightening. So let's re- listen to it, okay? Okay. Scapey Stories. From a cat and a dog. Hello, and welcome to Scapey Stories. My name is Jordan D. White, and we have a very special Scapey story tonight lined up with our very special audience guest, Mr. Byron Samuels. President! President Byron Samuels. President Samuels, I'm sorry about that. Byron Samuels. President Byron Samuels. Right. Okay. Uh, Scape, you have a story all lined up? Yes, of course. I have a story all lined up, and uh, it's good. All right. Shall we get to it, sir? Well, I, I, I really don't know what I'm getting to. What's my function here? You're going to listen to the story he's going to tell. Uh, well, that's about it, actually. I guess you can, if you have any questions, you know, feel free to ask. Well, I'm... I'm I'm never short of questions because there's a lot I don't understand. Well, then, then that makes two of you. Then it was only one of me. But there's one of him. Well, there's one of him and one of me. That's two. And you. But I understand things. So let's begin. Okay. Uh, this one is called The Business of Madame John by Vincent O'Sullivan. Uh, okay, so once upon a time, there was a guy named Gustav who, like, uh, killed himself. And uh, we were all like, oh, man, I can't believe Gustav killed himself. That's really messed up because he was in a really uh like happy place in his life because his aunt died and left him like up his million dollars well again this is the sort of thing where why it sounds like the end of the story he killed himself is over uh, it's a very good story for a cat I don't necessarily allow cats to tell stories well it's uh, 
it's it's like the end of the story, but it's it's like a, a literary device. What kind of device does a literary do? Uh, well, uh, I don't I don't know, but it's like I tell you the end of the story, and then I tell you the story. I'm sorry, I'm not used to talking to cats. I I never used a litter device before because I don't use litter. No, not that kind of cat litter. Cat literature. Look, okay, Gustav killed himself. Good. No, bad. Bad. But listen, okay, so he killed himself, and we were all like, why did he kill himself? Because he had lots of money now. Uh, and so here's what happened. Uh, he was like uh, a dude who had a job, but he didn't make a whole lot of money. And so he also wants to go out every night and have a good time and spend lots of money and have girlfriends who want him to spend lots of money too. <laughs> and uh, so he was like going around be doing his business, but he didn't have enough money. So he had an aunt who had like zillions of billions of dollars. Okay. Why is he using dollars in France? This is another thing. Is the United States taking over the world spending dollars when in France you try to spend dollars nobody lets you buy anything. That's why I can't spend money spending dollars. They use euros or uh, or French money in France. But this was a long time ago when they used dollars in France. Oh. So. No, they don't ever, they never use dollars in France but I think he just doesn't know what they use in France so he's saying dollars because that's what he knows. Well, they probably use lots of things in France. Probably uh, use, for, use for what? For money. They probably use money for money but I use money to spend money all the time. Okay, fine. So she had right billions of money. And so what he would do is he would go to his aunt's house and be like, oh, my aunt, you're so awesome. <laughs> I love to spend time with you. Uh, but really, he thought she stunk. <laughs> and so uh, then uh, the preacher would come around because he was friends with the, with, with, with the aunt as well. And he'd be like, really boring. He'd be like, blah, 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 blah. And the guy was like, oh, I hate this, but I know what will happen. And at the end of the night, the aunt would go, here, have like a hundred money. <laughs> well, it sounds to me like this man's a criminal re rescinding on the, the aunt's right to keep her money by asking her for, for spending a good time with her. His aunt no longer has the money she had a right to keep by giving it away. But she had lots of money and she wanted to give it to him. Well, why would you want to give away something just because you have a lot of it? Well, if you had like a lot of uh, something that was bad, wouldn't you want to give it away? Well, then you, yes. Okay. Well, clearly then money's bad. Money is what's keeping us from having everything for free. Okay. I don't know what that is, but this is how he would get his money, and this is how he would get to have, like, girlfriend that he wants. He'd buy them? Well, he doesn't. He'd buy her stuff. Like, maybe he bought her moist food or catnip. Here's another problem in society today, if this is true, is buying girlfriends with catnip. This is something I've never heard of, besides, you have to look into this and try and uh, resolve this problem. of uh, girlfriend's free will being destroyed by being seduced by catnip. Well, I don't know if he bought it. Look, he had a girlfriend that he liked, but she really, mostly liked him when he would buy stuff. And so, what happens is, so, so as he's going around, doing his life, business, spending money, he spends more and more, and it's like, oh, now I have, don't have any money. So sometimes he would go gamble to try to get more money. And what does he gamble? He doesn't have any money. Well, he would, he gets the money from the aunt. Right. And then he would gamble. But then he runs out of money from he gambles. Yeah. But this is the problem. People gamble. You never know when you gamble if you end up with more money or less. That's my problem with it. I go in looking to have sure bet with having more money. Sometimes I end up with less. That's the problem with gambling. Yes. To make gambling have it every time you go in, you have more money. I would do it lots often. That's the same problem he had, because he would get some money 
undergirl would like him, and then he would lose his money, and the girl would say, hmm, not so much. Sounds like the girl only wanted the money. Well, maybe. So. Well, he should have just, the girl should have just found money and got rid of the guy, and then she'd just be. She did. She went with another guy who had money. Well, so it was happy ending. No, but there's more. Oh. But you already know the ending. He kills himself. Okay, so here's what happens. Uh, so he's like going around one day after the girl left him for another guy, and she, he, the priest, the priest sees him, and he's like, oh, hey, are you going to visit your aunt? And he's like, uh, no, not today. And the priest is like, oh, I'm going to visit her right now, but I then I have to leave because I have to see somebody else at like 9 o'clock. And the guy goes, okay. Uh, Gustav is like, oh, whatever. I don't care. Whatever. So then he realizes I have a secret plan. <laughs> so he goes to visit his aunt at 9 o'clock, and she's all by herself, and he goes, how are you doing? I love you, etc. And uh, they have like a good time, and she's like, oh, Gustav, you're like so good, and uh, let's go over to the place where I keep my money, and I'll give you some of that money. And he's like, oh, thank you. And she's like, I'm so yucky that I have somebody like you. And he's like, yeah. Uh, and then he like killed her, okay? Well, that's just something I'm opposed to right there. That's the first main problem with this story. First problem with this story is you sometimes lose money when you gamble. Second problem is these the, the women who, who's taking all the money from him. And third problem is murder. Murder is infringing on your right to stay alive. It's not you he murdered. It's the aunt. So he killed her, like he stabbed her with a knife right into her heart. Or she got in the way of his knife. Well, no, he he was doing it on purpose. Oh, ah, right. And then he was like, I will steal all the money that is in there. Well, she was giving it to him anyway. Yeah. So we didn't even mur murder need to meet the murderer. Well, he was going to get it faster. And also, that wasn't all her money. That was just what she had there. If, if she's dead, then everything she owns now belongs to him. So everybody I kill, everything they own belongs to me. No, it was just because he was her nephew. Right. Right. To her stuff. So It's the rules of hereditation is all run, running this thing. You kill anybody's hereditation, you receive their goods. I don't know what hereditation. Right. Right? Right. You got a right to hereditation when you murder. I don't think it was cause of the murder. Okay. I think he was already going to get her stuff when she died. But he was like, oh, she's going to take like a long time to die. So I better <laughs> speed things up. Murder, murder. Right. Right. Yeah. So so then he kills her, takes the money that's in there, puts it in his pocket, steals like uh, the keys and like messes things up so it looks like murder, like a, like a robbery murder. And um, then he like took her boobies out. <laughs> he stole them too? No, no, no. He, he, was that to give to the women also? No, he was just, uh, I think he wanted to make it look like somebody else did it. And he was like, well, I would never do this, so I should do this. So then why didn't he do all sorts of things like that he wouldn't do? Like, why didn't he make a quilt too? Like, because he, he doesn't normally make quilts. Well, uh, I think it would be unrelated. How could it be unrelated? It's his aunt. I mean, the quilt. Right. But no, so the boobies were removable. No, he didn't remove them. He just took them out. It was just to confuse everybody, okay? Well, I'm certainly confused. So then he, like, left. Made it, like I said, he made, it looked like uh, it was a robbery. And he went really quick across town to a bar that he knows and hopped in real quick into a conversation where some guy was, like, saying something, like, blah, 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 blah. And so Gustav was like, oh, yeah, well, you're wrong, pretending like he was drunk. <laughs> and so the guy... Does he still have the boobies with him? No, 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 he did not take them. He left them. It was, they were just confusing. Okay, so the other guy 
okay, so Gustav is like, no, no, no. And the other guy is like, yes. And so they start fighting. And then the police show up and arrest him for drunk fighting. And so he's well, like. Well, that's a wrongful arrest right there. Because in the conservation, he wasn't really drunk. He was lying. So it's arrest for, for drunk fighting. It should have been arrested for lying fighting. Well, but he didn't tell that he was lying. He said he was drunk. Well, then he gets arrested for something he didn't do. But he wanted because he's at the jail pretending to be drunk, being like, oh, I'm so drunk. You should call my aunt and she will come get me. Okay? Well, she's dead. He's, she can't come get him. That, that's the point. Well, he's lying again. No, he's not lying. He's trying to get them to discover. Because he knew the police would get in the way of his right to drunk fight. No, it's not about drunk fight. That was an alibi. He, what happens is he goes, you gotta call my aunt and the police go, alright, we'll call your aunt so there. They really got him, didn't they? There's, but, but then they go to the aunt's house and they find her dead with no money and with a break-in and with her boobies out. Stolen? No, just out. Oh. And so then they're like, um, listen guys, sorry, but your aunt is dead, okay? But you get to have all of her money and her house, okay? So he's like, oh no, like, I'm real sad about things that are sad, like her dying, but he's secretly happy because he's like, I killed her and I got lots of money. <laughs> and so the priest, like, arrests some people because they're like, those people probably killed her. They had some, like, thing where they're like, the girl who works for her killed her and her boyfriend was there and they killed her. So Gustav is like, oh, they're going to die because they killed my aunt. They're same for people, same. And everybody, and we were all like, wow, yeah, he's very upset about his aunt. And he was saying, I'm so upset about my aunt. And we were like, wow, we totally believe him. But really, he was like, at home going, money, I will get my girlfriend. So, one night, he was in uh, his house, which is his house now, but it was really his aunt's house, okay? And all of a sudden, uh, a girl, a real girl, walks into the room and sits at the aunt's desk. Well, she could be his girlfriend. He just has to give her money. No, it wasn't his girlfriend. In fact, he didn't ever even entertain the idea that it was a real living girl. He immediately knew it was a ghost because all of the doors were locked and he was like, there's no way that could be anything but a ghost. Well, that's intruding. If, if it's a real person, it's against the law. So it can't be a living person. See, it's illegal. It, it would have been, but it wasn't. It would have been illegal, but it's legal for a ghost intrude. Yeah. Right. So. Well, that gets in your way. You're right to have a house unintruded by ghosts. You don't have that right. Well, I want it. No. Because ghosts could teach you a lesson. Okay. So this ghost comes in and she just sits there and stares at him. And he's like, I'm scared. And he's like, I'm leaving this place and I would never come back. And he leaves. And in fact, he goes upstairs first to his aunt's room and he looked on the wall and it's a picture of his aunt and when she was young and it's the exact same girl. And he's like, that was my aunt. Ghost. So he's like, I'm leaving. I'll never come back. But then he does go back and he sits there right next to the ghost all night being like, oh no, oh no. And so the next night, he's like, forget it. I am not going back. But he does anyway. And the ghost comes back, but she's a little older. But it's clearly the same woman. And she sits there and stares at him and he's like, ah, forget it. This, I'm leaving. I'm never coming back. But he does come back. Well, it's, yeah, it doesn't seem to make up his mind very clearly. It doesn't seem to be all conflict and, and refused. But he does come back. Well, he just said he wouldn't. He's lying again. Well, he finds himself drawn back with magic, maybe. Oh. Maybe. I'm just 
just making that part up. Well, it's not all made up. It's a real story. What's a real story? A real story is one that nobody made up. How does it? How do you get a real story then if you don't make it up? It's something that happened. Like once upon a time, I went in and a cat told me a story. It's a real story because I didn't make it up. It happened. But you don't know how it ends. No. All right. Well, listen. So he comes back the next night, and the ghost is a little bit older, and he's like, I'm, "Maybe I'll never come back." But he does. And the next night, same thing, a little bit older, and the next night, same thing, a little bit older, and the next night, uh, the same thing. She's right, just a little bit older. And the next night, wait, uh, wait, I, I got to guess. He thinks he ain't coming back, but then he does decide to come back, and the ghost is there, but he's a little bit older. Well, he is a day older, but I'm saying the ghost is like years older. But years haven't passed. But she's, I know, mysterious. So, but no, on the next night, yes, he does come back, but the ghost is like, it works exactly the way his aunt worked on the day he killed her. And she's staring at him, and he's like, oh, scary, oh, gosh. And because he's always, like, going out at night, because he's like, forget it, I'm never coming back, and he walks around, and he looks, like, all haggard, everybody thinks he's, like, out partying, but he's not. He's just getting freaked out by a ghost, okay? And so finally, the last night... He comes back, like he didn't want to, but he did. And instead of being a woman, it's like a body with a veil on it, like it's sitting in the morgue type thing. A woman has a body. It's, uh, it doesn't make she can't be a body instead of a woman. Like a dead body. Well, then it's a dead woman. He already killed her anyway. Well, yeah, but it's like it's like in the morgue. Instead of walking in, it like f- kind of fries in, like it's on a gurney. Right. And so he's like, forget this. This is too scary. And he runs up stairs to his room, but on the way, he passes his aunt's room. And then the dead body jumps out, and is like... Dead bodies can't jump. That's that's the part of the reason they're being inceased, is they, they're, they're, they're all, their orderly functions are removed. Yeah, but this is a ghost. Dead ghost body. Dead ghost body jumps out of his aunt, and it has like, uh, silver dollars on its eyes, and he's like, freaked out. Well, that's, that's part of the, that's part of the litter box metaphor is because she can only see money. No, no, no. No, I don't think that she has a litter box. She's a person. But he is like, are you alive? And she was like, no, I'm dead. The end. Well, uh, that's very disturbing. I, I, I think that something ought to be done to prevent ghosts from inflicting on the murders and ghosts to prevent people from murdering people is getting in our way to kill people. I can't go out and freely kill people if the ghost is going to come back and stop me. So I, 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 I it's, it's a very instruct, destructive, uh, destructive story for me. Well, uh, hold on. Did you say you do want murder or you don't want murder? Well, I, I don't want murder of me. But you want murder Murder of- in general is, I don't like it, but it's a right. It's a right? Well, it's, it's like lying. I don't, I don't like it, but it's uh, people write the lie like murder. I, I'm against murder. Murder in general. I'd, see, I wouldn't tell you go out and murder somebody, but I, I, I wouldn't district it, but if, if it's, it's alright. Okay, uh, so you think it's okay that this guy killed his aunt? Well, I, I wouldn't tell him it's a good thing. I think it's bad. So, but it's okay. Uh, he's allowed to. I, he should be allowed to. Uh, I wouldn't stop him because it's his right to murder people. I just think he's not very nice. So why didn't he tell everybody that he did it? Because it was 
was against the law. It was against the rules. See, the whole problem with doing things that are within our rights, as long as they're against the law, the only thing stopping you from doing things that are against the law is the law. Uh, okay. I think you're confused, okay? This guy shouldn't have killed his aunt because she was, like, uh, nice to him, pretty much. She would give him money with which he bought stuff, like, possibly, moist food. So, if you kill her, you don't, I mean, yes, you get to have money so you can buy more moist food, but you killed her, and then a ghost comes and haunts you. Well, I agree, it wasn't very nice. Murder her, she was being nice to him, be nice to people who are nice to you. And it's a good story, because it's a warning that if you try and go and kill people, ghosts might come back and be mean to you, back. Yes! You got it! That was actually what I was going to say. That's scary moral. Okay, I'm you ready, I'm going to say it. Ghosts violate your rights. No, I was going to that's, no, that's oh. not it. But I'm going to say, ready? Ready. Okay. You shouldn't kill people. Our ghosts will scare you into maybe killing yourself. That's what it's about. Uh, Jordan? Yeah. Um, thanks for having me on the show. How do I prevent ghosts from coming and scaring me if I, I, because I, I'm a little disturbed by the store. Are you asking me or are you asking Skate? Well, either of you, if you know, because I, I, ah! Did you not listen to the story? Well, if I murder, how do I stop them? If you murder, it's too late. You're going to have to kill yourself. Oh, well, I, I'm, I've learned a sad lesson today. Okay, well, um, that's unfortunate. Uh, Scape, do you want to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, next time on Scapey Stories, a uh, scary story that will scare you to being scared. So President Samuel was his murderer. Is that is that what we learned there? Yeah, it just sort it sort of seems that way. I mean, I guess it's good that Frank's not here because he'd probably immediately call the cops. Uh, we don't have any hard evidence. He just seemed to imply that from his his tone. So I mean, I don't think we we have any need to call the authorities. Yeah, there's no no. You don't have any need to call authorities because ghosts will take care of it. That's what they do. They will hunt. If if he killed somebody, they will hunt him. They will come out a little bit older every day and drive him crazy, and he might have to kill himself. We'll have to see. Well, well, okay, we'll keep an eye on it. We'll see if, if he survives through the uh, the years and all that. Um, so, okay, so we've, let's see, what, what have we done? We've done guard duty, we've done, they're in, where are they now? Oh, I know, uh, this is Decker and Haynes. We have an episode of Decker and Haynes up next. Decker and Hayes is a show about two lesbian detectives who are also lovers. Of course, at this point, they haven't seen each other in quite some time. In fact, I don't know if they've seen each other all season long. No, in the first episode of the season, they did, yes. Anyway... Macy was in jail. She got out because of the CIA, but it turns out they were just interested in brainwashing her and getting her to do crazy things. Stella, on the other hand, got hired for a case that turned out to be a total sham, ran into her ex-girlfriend who had been captured by a rival gang and tortured for years and years on end, is getting into all manner of trouble on her own and seems to be on a killing spree of some sort. Let's hop right into the episode and see how it turns out. Decker and Hayes, Season 2, Episode 7, Going South, by Daniel Schwartz. South Tip is a bad place to be after dark. Parlortown's poorest, meanest streets are full of the hungry, the angry, and the dead. If the casual pedestrian isn't careful, he could become any one of those in short order. Macy Hayes of the Decker and Hayes Detective Agency didn't care about this. The past twelve hours she hadn't cared much about anything. She only acted. Her actions as precise and mechanical as a wristwatch. No, not a watch. I don't tick. No ticking. No tick, tick, tick. 
goals. Find the files my partner and my secretary hid from me. Status, subordinate files located, location of other information pending. Secretary resisted, was terminated. Step 2. Return to the base of operations. Status, completed. Step 3. What was step 3? Something warm and soft. Someone named Stella? No, Lexi had mentioned Stella, whoever that was. It was Lexi who wanted me to get some rest here so that I could be ready for the next stage of the operation. Right, the operation. That's what this is all about. Step four is the important one. Step four... Who's there? Lexi? Landsberg? Hey, Macy! Thank God you're all right. Who are you? How do you know my name? Are you part of the operation? Hey, I'm a detective, not a doctor. I don't do operations. Then you don't belong here. I must terminate you. All obstacles to the operation's completion must be terminated. Whoa, hun. Put down the knife. You'd like that, wouldn't you? Lexi warned me they'd try to stop me. Lexi warned me that they'd try to stall the operation. Macy. That they'd... That they'd... Macy! Stop saying my name and be terminated! Tell me about Daniel, Macy. Daniel? Daniel is safe, but not for long. He likes to sing a very sad song. He really misses good old pops, but he'll cry if you call the cops. One million dollars, one month's time. The punishment must fit the... Julie? Hey, Macy. Guess you're back to normal. Julie? I think I killed Tommy. Don't worry, hon. You just shook him up. Now let's go. We don't have much time. Time? No. No, we don't. No time. Tick, tick, tick. What am I doing? You are placing the operation in jeopardy. You must be... Yeah, yeah. Terminated. Jeez, there's no talking to some people. Having pistol-whipped Macy into submission, McGinnis loaded the unconscious detective into his car. Meanwhile, across town, at the office of Decker and Hayes, the duo's secretary, Tommy Potsdam, had been in a staring contest with the barrel of a gun. This had already happened only hours before, when Macy had inexplicably barged in and tried to shoot him. The guy behind it this time, Jason Drake, was currently on the phone. Matt Landsberg? To what do I owe the pleasure? Since you're holding one of my informants at gunpoint, Agent Drake, I'd argue that you brought this on yourself. One of your... The kid? Potsherd? Potsdam! Shut up, kid. The adults are talking. You must be really strapped for help, Matt. This is the best you can do? He serves a purpose. I don't have the time or patience to do better at the moment. And you? How goes the mission? It's gone south. Fast. No thanks to you. Without Hayes, I've had to go after Decker, who is stubborn and intractable. The local police are barely even worth mentioning. Frankly, I spent so much time trying to work around you, I've made almost no progress. I'm sorry to hear that, Agent Drake. I guess we both know who will be back in the director's graces after this. A Russian madman is peddling weapons on American streets, and you're going to play off his politics. Have you lost all sense of perspective? Now that Hayes has been broken, it will only be a matter of time before we apprehend Smerdyakov. All that remains are few minor adjustments. Adjustments? On an agent? <laughs> Somebody did a sloppy job reprogramming. Huh, Matt. Nothing need be said about the matter. I'll, I'll have the Smerdyakov problem contained within 24 hours, Jason. Take that back to the director and tell him it's not your fault you're a second-rate agent. Arrogant, petty son of a whore. Well, Potsdam, this is awkward. What are you talking about? Well, by now you've figured out that I came here under false pretenses. You're also the pawn of a man who's deliberately hindering my investigation in order to garner more political capital. To top it off, I don't much like your face. So I don't really have any choice but to fill it with bullets. No! Uh, what? 
What the hell are you doing here? Saving your life, apparently. No need to thank me. Keep away, you spying witch! Now that's gratitude for you. Keep away, or I'll... I'll shoot! You wouldn't shoot me. Paige, in the last 24 hours, I've been held at gunpoint twice for extended periods by crazy people. It's entirely possible that I will shoot you. Okay, your call. What are you doing? Well, Julian should have found Macy by now and brought her back to my place. This guy seems to know the people who took her, so hopefully I can talk him into helping us piece together what's going on. It won't be easy now that I've tased him, but I'm sure he's been through worse. You know where Miss Hayes is? <laughs> of course I do. I've been keeping tabs on her for a while. More spying. Yes, Tommy. More spying. That's how I knew you were in danger. That's how I know that Macy's being held hostage by the CIA. That's how I know that there are over six gallons of bioweapons and three nuclear warheads in Parlortown right now. And that if we act fast, we have a chance of capturing the guy behind it. But no, you're too busy whining about your right to privacy and your personal space to understand the bigger picture. I thought I knew you better. I thought you'd understand that people are safer when they look out for each other. I thought you'd be happy that I cared enough to keep an eye on you. I hope they make you feel less lonely so you wouldn't need to hang out around coffee houses every night or shiver while you sleep, waiting for someone to hold you. But you don't care. You just you just want to be alone. Well, fine then. Take your stupid, lonely, pointless life and screw yourself with it! Paige picked up Drake by the armpits again and started dragging. Tommy heard her progress down the hall to the elevator, then the sounds of doors opening and closing. He sat down heavily, dropping the gun. He stared into space, trying to sort through the verbal sandblasting he'd just suffered. As he began to put together the pieces in his mind, a slim brunette walked in. Knock, knock. Uh, uh yes, uh, sorry, ma'am. M- may I help you? I hope so. The elevator was in use, so I took the stairs. Um, I think I'm on the right floor. This is Decker and Hayes Detectives, right? Why, yes. Uh, neither Miss Decker nor Miss Hayes are in, I'm afraid, but I can take your information. Thank you. By the way, have you seen a blonde man in an expensive suit come through here? What? Uh- Oh, uh, uh, um, no, not at all. N- never seen a man matching that description. You're a bad liar, Tommy boy. Tommy barely had time to register that the woman had pulled a gun when there was an explosion of sound, and a bullet in the head derailed his train of thought. There was blackness. Night had never been a kind mistress in Parlor Town. She preferred to skulk in alleys and tenements, waiting for the unwary. As the sun rose that morning over South Tip, however, it marked the end of a surprisingly quiet night. Many of the neighborhood's worst prowlers hadn't shown their faces at all. Stella Decker, the second half of the Decker and Hayes Detective Agency, stumbled sleepily into the establishment of an old friend. Stella! Baby! What happened to you? You look like hell! (sighs) Long night, Mama. I'm tired. What's that in your hand? Nothing. Oh my god. This is a crowbar! It's covered- It's covered in- Oh my god! You beat someone to death with a crowbar? Yep. A couple. Two, three, twelve. Jesus Christ, why? Ran out of bullets. Stella, what happened? I thought you'd grown out of this. Spiders. Freaking spiders. Put them down, everyone. Except Vasquez, but he's next. Want sleep now. Oh, spiders. What did they do this time? Tasha. That's where she's been all these years, Mama. That girl you used to go with? They had her? Almost 20 years. Raped her. Beat her. 
paid him back. Sleep well, my little Avenger. Meanwhile, as Stella was drifting into dreamland, Macy was slowly regaining consciousness. She seemed to be lying on a futon surrounded by takeout Chinese food containers, candy wrappers, and computer parts. The far wall was a web of multicolored threads connecting pushpins with labels like Mare Glass, New York Stock Exchange, and UFOs. Macy could make out her own name among the mass, though what it was connected to seemed hard to tell. A skinny girl with blonde dreadlocks came in, smiling. Miss Hayes, right? Hi! We've been waiting for you. Now that Macy has been recovered, can she be deprogrammed after her brutal torture? Will McGittis and Paige be able to stop Smerdikov? Will Stella reap what she sows in her gruesome quest for revenge? Find out in the next episode of Decker and Hayes, The Last Spider. In that episode of Decker and Hayes, the narrator was Daniel Schwartz, Stella Decker was Angela Tyman, Macy Hayes was Lynn Nelson, Tommy Potsdam was Nicholas Roach, Julian McGuinness was Rich Bellin, Matthew Landsberg was Frank Allen, Lexi Grayson was Kate Slotwinski, Agent Drake was Elijah Weberhan, Paige was Magdalena Richards, and Mama Wang was Tong Wen Wong. The theme song was by Michael Temporary Card Mikowski. Thank you very much, Rory. Now that brings us to pretty much the end of the show, except that we are now at the listener mail section of the show, which means I will let Scapey sing a little song. This episode is super fast. We're going faster. It's fast, 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 fast. We're going faster. It. I don't know if you can even understand what we're saying because we're going so darn fast. It goes so, 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 so fast, 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 fast until the last second of the episode. It's going to be fast. It's going to be fast. Faster than anybody could ever fly. Did you know it's hard to swallow? Cause it's hard to follow. Oh my god, they're gonna go fast, fast. Oh my god, it's too fast, fast. This is wrong, so I'm gonna do fast, fast. It's a fast, 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 fast song. Thank you, Scape. Thank you, Scape. That was a little bit longer song than we typically would do, but it's okay because guess what? We got absolutely zero, none, none, none. None reader mail. No mail. Please, please, I implore you, email us at castandwax at gmail.com. We'd much rather have more email than we know what to do with than not enough email to be able to do anything with. So please email us, castandwax at gmail.com. If you got something to say, tell us something you like about the show. Tell us something you don't like about the show. Tell us something that you wish would happen to Frank Allen because he's such a jerk. Tell us how much you love Frank Allen and you're defending him. Tell us what, uh, what you thought of Scabby stories. Uh, tell us anything, please, please. We love to hear what you have to say. So my name is Jordan D. White. This is Scape, my cat. Hello. No, goodbye. Oh, I mean, goodbye. And Mr. Rory Sinjin. Yes, Rory Sinjin. Please don't forget that if you need my business, I will give you a, a discount if you say that you heard me on the show. If you contact me through castanwax.gmail.com. So absolutely, please, please, I will give you an extra historical reading. Please do so. Sound a little desperate. Well, no, I'm, it's, it's not so much. I'm, no, it's not, I'm not desperate. I'm just, I'm just saying, please. All right, all right. I guess it's politeness. So thank you for listening to the show. This was a very fast episode as Scape sang, and hopefully you will enjoy it and the next episode as well and even everything beyond that. Okay, point is, let's go. We got to wrap it up. We all here at Castanwax will be seeing you.
On the next episode of Cast and Wax, on Epic Echoes, the Flashback faces one of their deadliest foes for the last time. Give up, Molly. Don't make this harder on yourself than it has to be. Besides, as a woman, do you really want to die in such a disheveled state, all covered with blood and dirt? It's a disgrace. I can end it painlessly. I can make you one of us. All you have to do is lay down your sword. On Tract of Fiction, a seemingly knowledgeable little girl says something that claims to be about Islam. Adam was the first man of Earth. Mohammed said he was 90 feet tall. That's a lie! Yes, it is. But it's in their holy hadith. Want to know more? And on guard duty, the Earth Guard go on. Strike. A method for unionized workers to gain leverage against their management. But when the Earth Guard, America's only real defense against superhuman threats, goes on strike, the country is left defenseless. The president has called the Guard unpatriotic and has called for an immediate end to the strike. All this, plus escapee story and historical facts, coming January 12th to Waxwork.com.